You're listening to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud, a resource of Church on Bayshore. Boggy Talk is recorded on Boggy Bayou in Niceville, Florida, and is hosted by Justin Wyatt and James Ross, pastors at Church on Bayshore. We typically want every matter of faith and life to have crystal clear answers, but it isn't always that easy. This podcast digs in to help Christians think with a kingdom mentality about topics that sometimes get muddy and bog us down. So let's dive in. Hey, and welcome to Boggy Talk. We are so thankful that you have joined us today as we kick off a new series talking about Generation Z, issues facing Generation Z. Before we dive in, want to reach over and say, hey, buddy. Oh, man, you I actually reached literally over today. reached over because, wow. you know, we're, we can be closer than six feet now, I guess. And uh, how you doing, James? I'm good. I'm within six feet of you. There we and, go. Uh, it's Tuesday, May 11th, and Mother's Mil- Day. Mots. Mother's Day is done. May is May again this year. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like May is always like this crazy month, getting to the end of the school year. And it is last one year of the busiest it was months of the year. Yeah, and there's just so much stuff happening, and there's concerts, and there's this and that, and things to be at, and games and tournaments. And last year, none of that happened. That's true. And yeah. May is May again. It is busy, and because of that. I think I'm just tired, but that's right. also every other month of the year. For that's true. That's <laughs> stage true. Yeah. Of life. So uh, we are this uh, this series. We are talking about Generation Z, and we're talking about Generation Z because uh, this is really the next uh, up and coming generation. Uh, they're they're starting to become uh, parents, and it's important for us as a church, as a people, as leaders, as as the people of God to say, hey, we want to understand this generation and how to reach the next generation. That's actually one of our core values as a church is that the priority of every generation is the next generation. So as we uh, kick off, we want to just help you understand a little bit about generations because maybe you're not familiar with some of this and why generations are named what they are. Uh, And so a quick overview of generations. So if you go back to the uh, beginning of the 20th century, you have what's the, called the greatest generation. This is a generation uh, from born in uh, 1901 to 1927. Following that, you have the silent generation from 28 to 45. And they're called the silent generation because they were born uh, during uh, the Great Depression and uh World War One, uh, after the effects of World War One, the Great Depression, and then World War Two, and so there's actually just not as many people in mm-hmm. that generation, so called mm-hmm. the Silent Generation. Then we have the Boomers who came uh, after World War Two. Okay, Boomer, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Yeah, you hear that joke? If you don't know that, just Google it and then be offended if you're a Boomer. Uh, Forty-six to sixty-four. Uh, then we have Generation. X, uh, 65 through 80. Uh, MTV, man. uh, MTV. MTV. I want my MTV, which uh, really didn't have a lot of music uh, to be. It did for them. It did for them. It did for Gen X. Yeah, yeah. That's true. I remember uh, growing up, we didn't have cable, but my grandparents did, which is kind of funny. And uh, so that's when we got to see MTV. And then my grandma would come in and say, turn off that devil music. And we would, Mm -hmm. and then we would turn it back on. (laughs) So that's just what we did. Mm. So you have uh, Generation X. So you turn it to VH1. VH1, which was slightly (laughs) less. (laughs) A little more. Pop up video, pop up video. (laughs) Oh, man, we are so dangerous. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. Because those are things that Zennials watch. Zennials, yes. So you had this micro generation, which we are both a part of, the Zennials, which uh, born 77 to 83. Uh, which really we say it's the best of both Gen X and then the next
next generation, which is millennials, 81 to 96. The purist would say like that there's not zennials, but the reality is there's such uniqueness to that group that they've. Yes. They, and the, and the uniqueness is that that generation, the ex zennials, 77 to 83 are, uh, came, uh, up uh, in a, they were they were present for the dawning of the internet, internet. Yeah, yeah. and so they have a lot. Most of their childhood was lived without it, but most of their you know high school and then college years and beyond were lived with it. So they they can walk in both worlds. Then you have millennials, eighty one to ninety six, and now Generation Z, ninety seven to twenty. 12. So Gen Z represents about a third of our global population. So right wow. now, airing in 2021, they are between the ages of 9 and 24. So that's a that's a large range. And each one of these generations typically grouped by a group of 15 years. And we recognize that obviously someone born, let's just take Generation X, for example, in 65 versus someone born in 1980. Yeah, they're the same generation. They're going to be very different. But that's just a helpful way of understanding uh, generation. And, and these generations are formed uh, by significant events in the world, mm -hmm. uh, technological advances, cultural advances, <clears throat> and then really the response to those. So as we're talking about Generation Z, we're talking about those born between 97 and 2012. And um, a helpful uh, way of understanding some of the uh, descriptors of Generation Z, I'm going to go through this quickly, uh, is this. They are, this comes from uh, Tim, El Tim Elmore in an organization called Growing Leaders, and he does a lot of generational research. Uh, they are private. They're a private generation, much more so than millennials because they've learned from millennials' mistakes of oversharing <laughs> on social media. So they are much more private with their information. Uh, they are anxious. This is the most anxious generation that we've had. Uh, they are also restless. Don't like to be in one place at one time too long doing one thing. And so- FOMO, man. Yeah. You want to miss missing out. out. And yeah. so what this translates to uh, career-wise is that this generation doesn't necessarily think one career for the rest of my life, but I like this now, I'll do this now, and then I can jump over and do this later. Mm -hmm. um, they're also incredibly tech savvy, which if you know someone uh, younger than you, you'll be like, yeah, they are, because they've literally grown up with, with technology in their hands from mm -hmm. the time they were very young. They're also very nurtured. As the Which millennials had like access to technology, in, but now- But there like were still have, limits. Right, and we we kind of developed it by the time this generation, you know- Yeah, because now there's, I mean, there's Wi-Fi everywhere. Yeah, and right. it's kind of, you know, there's actually a survey that said um, that access, uh, that majority of people in Gen Z considered access to Wi-Fi more important than access to restrooms when uh, wow. going out, yeah. which, you know, mm -hmm. my generation older is like, no, we need the bathroom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? mm -hmm. um, so that's mm -hmm. just how important uh, tech is. Um, they're also very nurtured, entrepreneurial, thinking, uh, you know, I can, I can start this. They're very much uh, as a uh, generation thinking we can uh, fix things. And also because of that, they are redemptive, that they see themselves as very empowered to make changes. And so every generation, I think, does this to some extent, looks at the generation before them and say, you messed it up, you messed it up, and we're going to fix it. But this generation right. even more so feels empowered to make these changes. Okay, yeah. Makes you think of that song, every generation blames the one before. I don't know. I don't know that song. In the song. living years, it's an oldie, but it's a great one. So also- It was actually making me think of the John Mayer song, Waiting on the World to Change, yeah. which is about millennials. <laughs> yeah. And and Gen Z's like, why are you waiting on the world to change? Let's Do something about it. it. Exactly. <laughs> so- uh, Gen Z is is being parented by Generation X, so we got to think through you know uh, how who's parenting because that 
factors into things right. as well. So yeah. they're incredibly, uh, Gen Z, incredibly globally connected. So they're growing up in a world that seems increasingly small because it's connected with right. technology. Yet uh, here in the U.S., it's also the most racially and ethnically diverse generation mm -hmm. we've had. So mm -hmm. uh, for those of you who are older, just think about this. You could ask someone in Gen Z, if you ask someone up here, where were you on 9-11? They, everyone knows where they were on 9-11. Gen Z would be like, I, I might, they may not know. And they or may they not, weren't born. Or they weren't born. Yeah. And they may literally say, why was that such a big, why was that such a big deal? Uh, how did that change things? And right. you know, if you were there, you recognize it changed things instantly. So right. that's yeah. just perspective. So mm -hmm. let's talk about why, why are we talking about this? And why is it important to understand Gen Z? If I were to say, why, why should we understand Gen Z? What would you say, man? Yeah, well, I mean, so personally, so as a zennial, uh, millennial, possibly based on how you would define me. Um, no one can define you. I'm, I'm a 38-year-old pastor, and I realize, like, Lord willing, my greatest days of ministry are ahead of me. And it's primarily most people's primary influence is on those who are about 15 years younger than you. Um, and... So that's Gen Z. I mean, that's who that group is. So uh, when we say as a church, you know, we want to reach people, typically the most reachable people are the people who are entering into adulthood, who are making those decisions about who they're going to be and who they're going to marry and, and beginning to parent. And so if we're true to that, it is Gen Z. So, so I think we need to say, who are they and how do we engage them and how do we equip them to be who God's called them to be? Exactly. And I think too, there's, uh, if there's ever, this is probably coming up and Gen Z as they're entering adulthood and some have already entered adulthood. It's really for the church. We have to recognize that this is a very unchurched generation. So generations before, even if you weren't a believer, uh, follower of Christ, you had some familiarity with church or you'd probably been a couple of times. Uh, but a lot of what their, their understanding of church is, is shaped by perceptions in the media, not from their own experience. Uh, and that's important to, to recognize because there's not necessarily a common language uh, that's spoken or common understanding of, of churchy language. Right. So you're starting to get into our topic for today yes. of you, the, really the first challenge uh, when we talk about our issue, we talk about, and, and, and I would say this is probably the most important one because we are I mean, this, hopefully, you know, this is, we're pastors and this is, you know, we're focusing on issues related to Christianity. And so when you talk about issues facing Gen Z, I think the most important thing is where are they spiritually? Yes. And indeed, we live in what many philosophers are calling now a post-Christian America. Right. So what you're saying is right. So we're going to try to reach and engage and equip, we need to understand what the mindset is about Christianity uh, when it comes to this generation. Yeah, I think of it in terms of this, it's, you know, I think in my generation and then and, and older people, uh, people older than us, there there could be this, this mentality of like, hey, I know I haven't been living right and I need, I need to go get things right with the Lord. You know, that was kind of like an understanding. I think if you were to say, if somebody would say, hey, you need to get right. You need to get your life right. Yeah. To someone older, they'd be like, yeah, I know I do. And now I'm in common mentality. We'd be like, hey, you should get your life right. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm fine. Like, Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't grow up in the church, but um, it was very clear to me that 
there was the church people who thought that the way we lived, my family lived, was wrong. Some of them kind of in an inappropriate way of saying that, but others just it was clear we lived our lives differently and and they they felt that. I think even though so so I'll use Niceville because this is still a pretty churchy area comparatively mm-hmm. right. speaking when we look at the rest of the state and globe. But many people who don't do church, the church people aren't even really saying to them, "Hey, the answer's church." Mm-hmm. Because even even I, you know, it's really generations above, but they're not presenting that as the answer like it was always presented to me when I was a kid not growing up in church. And that's what that's maybe a way to explain post-Christian. Like it's not even on the radar that like right. that's the answer. Yeah, the answer was more likely to be like, well, you should you should have some downtime. You should have some self care. You should do this. You should take just. You can basically, you can take care of your needs. You can just get the right steps and right things in place and you'll be okay. I think a couple of factors too is that growing up in a more pluralistic society, uh, faith-wise, there's there's a tendency to kind of like, hey, there's not necessarily this objection to Jesus. Right. As long as it's like my understanding of Jesus was a good Good guy, teacher, yeah. taught some good things. So I'm going to pull from that. I'm going to pull from this source of faith too. I'm going to pull a little bit from here, and that's fine because I'm I'm really I'm a, I'm developing my own truth, and I'm going to live my own truth, and that's a common theme. Yeah. And so, and then you add into we have um, an incredibly hypersexualized culture, right? Uh, and access to technology, and so, and then parenting style is is letting kids make a lot more choices for themselves uh, rather than uh, just authoritative. That's just a, a, a shift in parenting style. So, at this quote, it says, we've raised a self-directed, uh, we've raised kids in a self-directed model of parenting with hyper, in a hyper-sexualized world, meaning that Generation Z has grown up faster and lost their innocence sooner than any generation prior. Yeah. And now we're facing a dynamic world that's, they are confused about God, church, morality, and faith. Right. Because there's all this access yeah. to information, but not a true, like, solid source of truth. Yeah, I, I think this is nuanced, and that's why it's on Boggy Talk, because we're talk. in the mud here. Um, there was a common narrative in America for a long time. You sound so philosophical Thanks, right now. Man. I'm like, Thanks. I'm going to lean in and listen. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, at least in Southern America, there's probably, there's really two narratives when you trace back to the beginning of America. There's the, there's the, Hey, we're Christian and we're here and we want a Christian nation. And then there's the other group that's like, we're Christian, but sh- does freedom of religion really mean Christian? I mean, those were the two dominant thoughts and those kind of diverged, you know, like over time to where we got to where we're at today, where there's two views of America. One is very secular. One is very Judeo-Christian. Well, the narrative, when you think about it in the schools and all that, by and large, has completely become not Judeo-Christian. It has become progressive. It has become, you know, um, what what is right in our heart and, and follow what is right in our heart and what is right collectively as a society. So when a, when a Gen Z is is coming into okay now I'm going to make my own decisions about life they're not seeing it through this judeo-christian narrative anymore they're seeing it through progressive secular narrative now that doesn't mean that they're not spiritual because actually more and more studies on gen z cuz it's we're just starting to really understand gen z and we're actually finding out they're way more spiritual than millennials are yeah mm-hmm. 
And what's interesting is Gen Z across the globe is way more religious. Right. So, so when we talk about Gen Z in America and we talk about Gen Z globally, they're very different mm-hmm. because the connectedness of the world has actually made the world's Gen Z more interested in religion. Right. And <laughs> but it's made these Gen Z less interested in religion, but more spiritual. And as in all things, you know, over time, and I think this is true in, amongst generations, there's there's pendulum. Right. You know, good, and so there's like... Well, now you're philosophical. I am. Wow, we're so I'm philosophical. Gonna we're going to call this philosophical talk. Okay, <laughs> um, that's good. But there's a pendulum switch. Where, see, we look at this generation before us, we say, well, they got this wrong. Right. And so <laughs> rather than come center, we... we, we Overcorrect. And so I think, you know, whereas I think one of the reasons that Gen Z became has become much more spiritual is they saw millennials enlarge, uh, many of them kind of the spirituality became the spirituality of the self and you don't need anything outside yourself, uh, which was kind of an overreaction to seeing through some of the insincere faith and practice of religion before. And so there's but now there's like, well, actually, we do think there is something outside of ourselves but we're going to try to figure out what that is. So I, yeah, exactly. And we have so much information to pull from versus just like what the narrative is in our region because we're so connected. And then factor in to, you know, a culture, like you said, a progressive culture, a secular culture that does teach and ingrain in us that there isn't really a truth. Your truth is your truth. And you can't tell someone that this is truth, you know, which is truth. And so we've talked about that before. So really you just had these pendulums swinging. And so we've got to say is, okay, well, as a someone who's older, it can be easy in you know in the church or in, in life, even in parenting, say, shake your head, ring your ring your hands, and say, I just don't get this next generation, these kids these days. And that's we can't do that because right. that's just writing things off. And that's like also assuming that we got everything right, which none of us have, no generation yeah. has. So we do want to understand what it's like for Gen Z in a post-Christian world. And then how do we move into meet those needs, meet them, uh, address them, provide, uh, you know, re- reach them. So how, what do we do about this? What do we do about Gen Z growing up, post-Christian world, entering adulthood, what do we do? Yeah, and I think I think it's easy for this to be overlooked. I'm backtracking a little bit, yeah. but so when you started out with that list of generations, you know, you talk about the greatest generation and the silent generation, and then the, the then you have the boomer generation, and typically, like each generation was the parent of the generation before. But starting with boomers, they didn't have kids till later. later so Gen right. X was actually more like. The the uh, kids of the silent generation, some early boomers, boomers mostly had millennial kids, and then Gen X is having Gen Z kids. You know, so so you see a skip in generation because we're waiting till later to have parents. But what's so important is Gen X is like the most unchurched generation because such an emphasis was placed on the preference of boomers because they were so big and yeah. so opinionated. And no had offense. money. No offense, boomers. Yeah. yeah. Which Gen X have money too, but they just, they were neglected. So, so because church was catered to, church changed, right? Mm-hmm. Church changed to cater to boomers. That's a secret sensitive moment. Rick Warren right. and all that stuff. Like that's what you see. Then millennials has become the focus. Like, how do we reach millennials? They're so big. And I think it's going to be a challenge for the church to not overlook Gen Z right. in the same way we overlooked Gen X. Right. And it's funny as you're saying that, it, it is funny when you look uh, and you see all the the um, animosity between boomers and millennials, like, you know, online. It's their and kids. Like, and I'm like, you're, it's your you fault. raised them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you made them. You made me this way. Like, it's like, you know, why? Because you did this. And I think what you're talking about, too, is what it, 
we see this in generation. There is a, I would say, even in our own church uh, with folks in Generation X, uh, there is kind of this miss. Not I mean, there are people in our church of that generation, but there's really a, a missing. Peace. Oh, oh I think, yeah. You know, these are people who have kids who that's what I think, honestly, that's why travel ball, like people just automatically say yes to that and no to church. Uh, even people who've grown up in church because they're like, well, we kind of like, we don't really need this. Right. And that's yeah. wrong. You know, like yeah. we don't want to be like, but it's, that's made the choice easier because they were overlooked. And I think right. you're right. We can easily do this with Gen Z and not yeah. truly engage them for who they are because there are some similarities to millennials. Yeah. And it's easy to just jump, to, to lump it all right. together. Right. Uh, and so we've got to say, okay, well, this, this generation is coming up. So what do we do about this? And what, so what would you say our, our priorities as a church yeah. uh, reaching Gen Z? What do we need to do? Yeah. Well, I think that starting, you know, at home, we need a parent with all of this in mind. Um, you know, my children, uh, depending on what you define Gen Z are, are all Gen Z or are Gen Z and then on the cusp, you know, of whatever the next generation is, Generation Alpha or whatever we're going to call it, uh, is going to be. And so, you know, I think that we need to realize just they're being brought into a post-Christian world and they're in for the first time. They're really in the minority and even, I would say, viewed as um, I'm trying to think of the right word that's not too offensive here, you mm -hmm. know, but really viewed negatively yeah. for holding There's Christian a negative perception of, if yeah, they are them. Christian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so, that may not be the case right now here in Niceville, where it's still, you know, it's somewhat culturally advantageous to yeah. be, a, you know, but it, it will be that way. And it certainly is that way in other areas where it's like, oh, you're a Christian. Well, you are you know, you're outdated, you're bigot, you're this, you're that, you know, all these, assumptions, you know. Yeah. And I think people are hearing this and saying, oh, well, that's what I was told. And that's not true of my kids. We, if your kids have families, they're millennials, like they're not Gen Z. We're talking mm -hmm. about the gr group that's graduating high school, the group that's, you know, moving into um, starting their life. And, and they indeed, in many places are going to experience this. And I would say even in Niceville, mm -hmm. uh, they are experiencing that, you know, this as well, somewhat. Gen Z too, because they've grown up in a digital world and they crave actual relationships, but they also do genuinely connect with people digitally. So right. we have to navigate that, but I think people crave relationships. So as a church, we have to be uh, really engaging and relational and not superficial in relationships. Because I really do believe Gen Z uh, and, and, you know, and millennials too, don't have a tolerance for surface level uh, relationships. They crave relationships and they don't want to waste their yeah. time. So they don't really want to be in a group of 40 people uh, in a, in a group. And I'm not picking on, you know, our groups per se, but if they want to be in a, a, you can a, pick on a, them. a small group or life group of 40 people where the conversation stays at the surface level and they don't actually get to know people. And they, they actually want to dive into, to deep, hard issues. And really this generation, going back to the uh, nurtured generation and uh, being being nurtured and also being anxious, this generation is actually far more comfortable talking about uh, their, their, you know, inner thoughts, feelings, really mm -hmm. their struggles mm -hmm. than generations before. That's a strength. And we've got to play in, uh, not play, play into that. That's terrible. Uh, we've got to, to press into that and, and create communities that are redemptive that are centered on the gospel, but also make space for this 
belonging and relationships that we need. Yeah, I think I think that it's actually a positive, like, mm-hmm. and I, this is offensive, but it's just really true. So, like, they don't want to be a part of relations relational groups that aren't of benefit to them. Right. Well, that's really true of everyone. Previous generations, because they're not so connected online, benefit from coming and sitting in a Sunday school class or a small group of 40 people and not hardly participating because they get a little bit of social interaction. But, and I mean this, but then that group doesn't necessarily do what Jesus calls it to do because everybody's, we win, we're, we, we get some social interaction. So a younger group, the Gen Z specifically, doesn't need that because they already have the social interaction uh, here. I mean, that's mm-hmm. their primary connection. So then if they're coming to a group, there needs to be like some benefit other than just some social interaction. So that's great because they're not. So so what that's going to mean is church attendance is going to be less, but people who are engaged are truly trying to engage. Right. So it's actually like, there's less fluff. Yeah, exactly. We're cutting to the heart of, yeah, there's less churchy you know, stuff to use a <laughs> that as an adjective. Uh, you know, I think too, part of it is, is we as a church and as Christians have to really show them like what it means to genuinely follow Jesus uh, as, as Christ followers. And I think that the seeker sensitive movement would say, hey, we keep these people around and eventually it catches on. And maybe <laughs> mm-hmm. the the Gen Z focus says, Hey, we got to be really intentional because these people aren't going to hang around. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I do think, I do think like, so as a church, then like, that's why the answer is, is not a generational preference. Like, and, and I think like boomer silent generation millennials, like so much of the argument was about style. And it's like, <sighs> Post-Christian people don't give a crap, sorry, about style. Like, Mm -hmm. they're not coming, like, there is no social benefit for them to come anymore. Right, exactly. Like, Mm -hmm. there has been historically, Mm -hmm. even for me growing up as a zennial, you know, like, there was social benefit for me to go to church when we started going to church. Right. Like, I felt like we're not church people. Post-Gen Z doesn't feel like we're not church people. Mm -hmm. They're like, those are the church people. Right. Like it's different now. Yeah. And I think, you know, by what I was saying too, is like, like think about our kids, like our children see through us. They see our inconsistencies and they'll call us out on it. And I think that's kind of Gen Z in the church. You're like, well, you're saying this, but you're not doing this. So we want to find a place or right, people that right. will do yeah. this, that are yeah. like, you're saying, follow Jesus, follow Jesus. But you don't look any different than everybody else. So we want to flesh out what it actually looks like to follow Jesus. Yeah. And I I think we have to be careful here not to make assumptions, you know, about people. And I I see, so I'm going to talk about our church specifically. Mm -hmm. I see a huge separation in our church folk, you know, who are from those generations before and those who are like, are part of a post-Christian Gen Z. Like we just are so... I think it's because we don't engage. Like we're so deceived. If you're not watching, I'm, you know, like grabbing my head because <laughs> he is, there is tension in his there, mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's an Indian <laughs> reference there. Yeah. Like we're just so clueless about mm. how the world has gone. And I think we've, I think because the world has shifted, like, and we haven't engaged and we've said here, here are the people like I, I like, and like, I even, and I love, I'm glad God has me here, but like, even people in this area are like, well, I'm glad our part of the world is different. And I'm like, I, I, I am too, 
But as but, Christian, I can't say, so I'm good. Right. Like I've got to engage, you know, mm-hmm. like if, if we ever found a place like where there's only Christians who thinks like us, we are not thinking like Christ. Right. Yeah. Cause he was constantly around people who did yeah. not believe who he was uh, and yeah, didn't want to accept who he was. Yeah. Either. So let's talk about this. What are some of the challenges that are going to be that the church is going to face in reaching Gen Z? So we're not talking about Gen Z folks who maybe grown up in the faith and who are, so we're talking about engaging Gen Z unchurched. What are some of the challenges? Yeah. Well, I think, I think first of all, we can't settle for having millennials on the platform and thinking, okay, we're a multi-generational church. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even our church, like who a lot of our people think are young people are like 40, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, like, yeah. 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 So, so if you're from a church that like, just as like, you've just caught up with, you know, because basically what happened is you either became a boomer church or you stayed a, you know, silent generation, uh, greatest generation church. And you're just now you're, you're reaching millennials, you know, and, and really millennials don't do boomer church. They do their own church. So, uh, what's interesting is a lot of the, the previous churches are the ones who have more uh, millennials in them. So you're like, okay, we, we got all these people that don't have gray hair, like on our platform. It's like, Okay, well, Gen Z is much younger. And so how are you going to get them on their platform? How are you equipping them to be leaders? Because it has to happen right now because they're about to come into that stage of life. So so that would be the first thing I would say is you've got to be equipping Gen Z leaders right now. The second thing I would say is that the Bible as the truth cannot be your starting point for conversations. And in fact, even a lot of times, even if we preach the books of the Bible, you've got to say, how do, how do I help people understand why they need to listen to what I'm about to listen to? Mm-hmm. So if the Bible, and I agree, like, because there's not even a, an acceptance of that, that, that book, that's how they view that book, that religious yeah. book that you have yeah. uh, is, is authoritative. So where do you start? Well, I think, I think you start with, so what's cool about our generation is now we've seen like a hundred years ago. It was like, okay, if we follow the secular thought and these secular philosophies, we're going to be better people. And now we have the benefit of history on our side that says, actually, (laughs) and we talked about this when we were talking about, you know, uh, objections to living sin. Like now we see that like secular thought actually moved past science, secular thought moved past things. And there's a new morality. So -hmm. if we can talk about like the issues with that morality, we can like present here's all the problems and here's the confusion. Cause Gen Z is like, what is the truth? Yeah. Like they're not like, you know, millennials were like the truth is, or sorry, uh, Gen X and, you know, <laughs> boomers were like, the truth is Freud, you know, and the millennials are like, the truth is pluralism. And now Gen Z is like, uh, <laughs> so it's like, let's show all these problems. And they're like, yeah, I agree. Now let's present what Jesus said. And, and when they hear it, it's like, wow, there's truth in this, mm-hmm. you know? And again, they, I can't make anyone believe something, but I think if we present it as like, here's the, here's Christianity's answer to this problem that you see, then you have such an opportunity to engage. Yeah. And I think we, as a, as a church too, have to include them in the, along the way in the decisions. I think there's a lot of times it's like, well, these decisions are made by this group of people, which, you know, there is church governance and that is right. But, you know, I think about it just even on our staff team. So we've got two uh, young guys on our staff team now who are at this cusp of their Gen Z millennial. Right. And which is the lineals. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of, kind of another micro microcosm of a group, but you know, 
as a staff, we're asking them, yeah. you know, hey, what do you think? And they're empowered to make decisions and they may do a great job. And they, it, you know, they're also figuring it out. And I do think that we have a, you know, if, if they did something and it didn't go well, I think we have a pretty uh, gracious church body that would be like, you know, it, we, we still support you. And I think, but it's important to listen and it's important to empower them. And, but then also to bring them into conversations, even where they're not making decisions, but their input is given yeah, that's because good. we've got to listen and we've got to say, Hey, but what do you think about this? Cause you understand this. And I think that's the thing we forget in generations that we yeah. all see it differently. Right. We all have a different perspective. And if we aren't going to ask someone older than us and someone younger than us, what is the, what do you think about this? How do you, you know, right. Then we're missing out on what could be the best decision because the church is designed to be, you know, this multi generation, inter intergenerational body, you know, uh, but priority of reaching the next generation. So, yeah, and that's on the generation Z has got to start becoming the priority. And, you know, I think that again, you know, churches don't keep that going. What's the next generation? How are we going to reach them? And so, yes, like give consideration to all these generations, but me as a generation above is saying, okay, now how do we focus on this generation? And then when we equip them, we won't be two generations away from reaching the alpha generation or whatever it is. We'll be one generation trying to reach them. And that's the model that's the model that God has instituted in, in our biology and that God has instituted in the scripture uh, that we should be following. And I think like we have to be realized, like we have to realize, sorry, we have to be realized. <laughs> we have to realize that like they're going to wrestle with things that we don't wrestle with and be okay with that. Like, so, so, so. It, it gen, transgender issues, which we're going to talk yeah. about, we're going to talk and, about some of those you know, issues, inclusivity yeah. and all those things. Like, because they've grown up in that, it's going to be harder for them to fully like just see what Jesus says about that as truth. They're going to wrestle to that. But in the same way, like I would say, you know, people above us like have a hard time separating nationalism from Christianity. Mm -hmm. And it's not because they don't love Jesus. It's just because they that's, weren't indoctrinated. That's, yeah, that's you know, what they grew that. up in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so like, um, it's just different. Like mm -hmm. how we flesh that out is different. Just mm -hmm. like how someone in India and someone in America or someone in China fleshes out these things. And I, th I think like just choosing to be gracious in that uh, is incredibly important. Not compromising truth, but to be gracious in people's wrestling to that. Right. I think, you know, as we, as we wrap up, it's, it's recognizing that, you know, God has created Gen Z. I mean, that he didn't probably call it Gen Z. We, that's probably a man-made term, but, <laughs> but, but he's created them and he's also equipping them to reach them right. and the next generation. And so as a church, we play a role in that. That is what we're called to do. So we have to invest in them. And I think there's a hesitancy uh, to, when we have to get outside of maybe our own natural circle and our own generation, there's a hesitancy there because we feel like, I don't know where to start. I don't know. I don't, you know, and here's what I would say is that, you know, Gen Z doesn't need, they need me to understand them. They don't mm -hmm. need me to be like them. In fact, yes, if right. I try to be like them, I will come across as really lame. They yeah. don't, they don't, and they don't want that. You know, I think about my own kids, they don't like it when I try to, if I try to talk like them, they think it's ridiculous. And it is. My kids, I said sus the other day. You know how the kids, <laughs> yes, they, they say that's suspect, sus, that's cap. And they were like, they laughed at me yeah. and they were like, but you, you say it is fine. I'm not doing but it's like they. I felt like a dork, man. I felt like an old dork, an old dork. Yeah, you know, they just, but they, they do, don't think they know what the word they, dork means. Either, yeah, they're like, they? what is that? Yeah. That's, uh, but it's, but they do want to be poured into. 
they do want that. Yeah, and so it's like, does. we don't need yeah. to be like them, but we do need to understand them. We need to talk to them. We don't, don't be afraid of feeling old. You know, like when, if you walk yeah. into a room of Gen Z, it's okay to feel like you're old because you are older if you're, <laughs> right. but be comfortable with that, but talk to them, invest in them, listen to them. Uh, you know, I, I said this one time that back when it was really cool to, to just, you know, complain about millennials. And at the time we were leading this small group of millennials and, you know, they were, they're younger than us, but I'm seeing, and all of them were just like getting so serious about their faith and they were serving and they're pouring into Mm. investing. And I was just like this. And I was like, you know, the people who are complaining about millennials are not engaged with millennials yeah, because if they, if they would, be engaged. They would recognize there's great things about, you know, all generations, we got our right, stuff. Right. And I think it's the same with Gen Z. It's like, if you're actually going to engage, you're going to find out like, they're not scary. It's not right. that they're this like, right. <laughs> you know, I can't, re- but they just, they don't necessarily need you to be their buddy. Mm-hmm. They need you to, to pour into them, to show them what it looks like to follow Jesus and figure out, to be patient, to let them wrestle with, because they are going to be wrestling with things that things that were taught to us and accepted as truth to us, they're going to wrestle with to land if it's truth or not. And hopefully they will land. This is truth, but we've got to be patient. Man. Okay. I'm well said, brother. All well right. Said. Well, on that note, <laughs> then that perfect conclusion. My seat keeps going lower and lower <laughs> as I'm sitting. Man. So yeah. I think like. It's, you, it's Yeah, you're just sinking deep, man. That's yeah. That's a worship song that I won't sing right now. But uh, the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some specific issues that are facing Gen Z uh, and just really that are uh, things that may have been settled in generations prior that are now are really uh, kind of culturally, generationally kind of up in the air. And we're going to talk through um, how do we uh, navigate those. I was trying to look for the list, but I yeah. can't find it. We're talking about diversity, inclusion. We're talking about uh, LGBTQ issues, sexuality, some technology. of those technology. Absolutely. Just what it's like, what it's been like growing up. We should probably have a Generation Z person I come on. I think we will. We? Yeah. So we should do that. So uh, we hope that you'll uh, tune in and, and learn and glean uh, and we'll just be quite honest we are learning as we go too because well that's what we should we should do uh we're not experts in any of this so if you got questions want clarity hey if you've got some great resources hey we'd love to uh, send those our way and uh, we do hope you'll join us as we continue this series uh next week until then we remind you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out and we'll see you next time thanks for listening to boggy talk we are so glad you joined in the conversation go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss a beat